Hello, everybody. Captain Kent here. Uh, thanks for joining us on what's now our uh, fourth episode of Great Captains, uh, titled How to Be Awesome, or How to Be a Captain, which is awesome. Uh, this podcast takes about one hour, and we're going to go through the in and outs of becoming a captain and getting a job, uh, not just from a, uh, um, a practical standpoint, logistical standpoint, but also uh, in a lot of information about the test, the paperwork, the course, um, the... Uh, the hard work that's involved in, in getting your license. So uh, it does take about one hour. Uh, we think it has a great a, a ton of great information. So sit back, relax, and if we can answer any questions about becoming a captain for you after, feel free to reach out and uh, just ask us. Uh, you can comment on uh, any of the social media outlets. Uh, you can email me anytime you want, kent at confidentcaptain.com. Hope you enjoy it. Okay, and we're back. Welcome to the uh, third episode of Great Captains by Confident Captain Ocean Pros. I'm Captain Kent Dresser. I'm here with Captain Tony and Captain Zach, our staff captain. And Captain Tony is our lead instructor uh, at Confident Captain in our Newport facility. Uh, this episode is on how to become awesome. I mean, how to become a captain, <laughs> which is awesome. And um, we're going to take you step by step through the process, the sea time requirements, um, why you become a captain, and um, the course and the courseware, and just try to answer all of the. You know, we get phone calls really every day with a, or or stop-ins to our office mm -hmm. in Newport, every day with a significant number of sort of the same questions. So, as we're very efficient people, like most boat captains should be, we're going to try to answer every single one of those questions in a forty-five-minute in a forty-five-minute podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually really challenging because none of us don't talk a lot. We actually all talk quite a bit. So, so anyway, how to become a captain with confident captain, Tony. Good morning. Why, why do we become a captain? Well, I, I've, I've kind of been struggling with that question since you posed it before we uh, turned the microphone on, and I guess there are a, a lot of good reasons. One is to get a a good job. Um, we also talked. Zach mentioned this. Because we actually love being on the water, and you want to make a choice at some point in your life as to whether you want to pay to be on the water or whether you want to get paid to be on the water. And I, I prefer to get paid to be on the water myself. So that's that's I, a good reason in yeah, my mind. Totally, I, I feel the same way. You know, people when we go out um, and do our our job of training, specifically in this conversation, comes up a lot with recreational boaters. So like, wait a minute, I have to pay you to go boating with me. <laughs> Yes. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> and and that's the only answer. And I don't feel at all embarrassed about it because I have you know sort of a career of becoming a great captain and trying to and trying to, to spread that knowledge. But but I thought way back to so you know my story having come from the towing and salvage business. Um, you know I was recruited there at a young age because, and it was an entry level position. I was recruited because they needed help and they they knew me to be a hardworking, you know, kid with work mm -hmm. ethic. And um, this, so they planted, the company planted the hook. I was, back in that day, 
I was an innocent bystander. I was just the victim, right? <laughs> and so I became a cat. But I've, I've certainly never regretted it to this day. And, and the other thing is, you know, there's a huge demand for, for trades people now. I spent so much money on college. Now, this is going to make Zach cringe because he is currently spending that money on college. <laughs> yeah. And I spent so much money on it. And um, I don't regret it, but I, I could be where I am today without it. And, and, and I'm not saying don't go to college. I'm just saying that, you know, there's more than one way to do it. And I don't believe the get out of high school, take a gap year where you spend $20,000 finding a job, then go into college for four years. I don't believe that's the most cost effective or necessarily efficient way to, to do it. I got out of high school and I got a job for a couple of years and then I started taking some classes and I was on the right path there. That was affordable. You could pay cash. Mm -hmm. You could start to work it out. And I did so as a captain. And at some point, I decided I wanted to stop. It's because I had worked at a shipyard for the, the for the winter, and I realized like how much that really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go straight into college for four years because things are gonna get unfun in the real world quickly afterwards. Um, I, I do regret that decision. I wish I'd continued to do it piece by piece. And even if it had taken me six or so years to get my degree, I still would have would have gotten it. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, but look, this isn't a conversation about college, it's a conversation about coming a captain. But, but myself, Zach, um, and Tony to a limited extent, though he didn't have his license in, those, in his educational years, um, you know, has, we've all sort of grown up and funded our growing up by having a captain's license. Yep. And it's a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal job. And, and I think we can collectively agree that we fought the growing up as much as possible. But the reality is that's how we've, that's how we've grown up. Mm. Is driving boats, and um, it's a great way to do it. I, I see, you know, anywhere I go where I'm on the coast, I go down to visit, you know, my in-laws down in Florida, and I see young guys heading out of the breachway on the back of a boat, and you can see it. You can see the wannabe captain in that kid. Like, he's crewing on a fishing boat. They're doing some charters. He wants to catch some fish. He wants to eventually drive that boat. And I always feel sort of an overwhelming sense of, I hope really well for that guy. Mm -hmm. um, I think those types of people are cool. They're motivated, they're um, professional, and we're here to be like not only part of their solution, but the whole concept of the Great Captains podcast is to be a resource where they can make themselves better at what they do all the time. Sure. So, and the, more, the, the better you are at it, the more you enjoy it. Nobody wants to be not good no. at what they do. And, you know, the ocean is sort of the great equalizer. <laughs> if you want to be sort of, you know, we'll do another podcast on um, complacency, but if you want to be sort of a complacent person, mm -hmm. uh, the ocean is not a place for you. It requires a level of enthusiasm and proactivity and towards your professionalism and towards your safety and towards your day-to-day -day conduct that I thrive on. And, and, I, think, and I think everybody here does. And dedication and training that never ends. Right. Yeah. Yeah. New tech, you know, being able to, you know, being able to embrace the new technology that comes your way, whether it be for improvement of navigation or improvement of safety, but without letting go of the, of the old, I mean, in the, in the class, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on in this podcast, like you're going to have to learn how to use a paper chart and people look at us all the time and they sort of roll their eyes. Like, I'm just going to use the GPS and they give me that. I'm so smart look. And I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, tell it breaks. Or you get hit by lightning. Or you get hit by lightning. Or the military shuts it down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or you just need to, you know, maybe something goes wrong and you're 
in an accident. And the Coast Guard looks at you and goes, show me on this chart what you did. Mm-hmm. You need to know how to do those things. Yep. And you know sooner that. or later. It's not just be- because you have, you know, the GPS has not eliminated. You need to use it. You no. need to use a piece right. of, of a paper and a chart on a piece of paper and by if you, any means. And if you think you're terrified of having your phone run out of battery life just in everyday life, there's no terror <laughs> like running out of juice when you need it for charting because everything else has gone south on you. Yeah, right. Yeah, and you're down below, and the lights are out in the wheelhouse, and you've been using that phone flashlight. <laughs> you're <laughs> yeah. really wearing that yeah. battery down. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit. Uh, Tony has his um, iPad Super out, <laughs> which is even larger than my laptop. He pointed that out before the podcast started. So if we could just make size a, matters. Kid. If we can make a note that Tony's iPad is larger than my MacBook, mm, um, heavier. But too. he has the uh, he has the seat time requirements up. So. Uh, Matt, let's let's first we'll talk about basically the two different sort of beginning level. I don't want to call them entry level because many of our professionals run on a fifty or one hundred ton master license for their mm-hmm. entire career. Uh, but let's talk about your first captain's license, okay? And it's gonna pro- it might be a launch tender, but it's most likely going to be a six pack OUPV six pack or a master one hundred ton captain's license. So, Tony, um, what are the basic seat time requirements? For a six-pack license. Okay, so, so the six-pack, which is which the Coast Guard refers to as the OUPV, or Operator of Uninspected Passenger Vessels, which means that you can carry up to six passengers for hire on an uninspected vessel. Your minimum requirements for that are 360 days of on-the-water experience, and one day is achieved by a minimum of four hours underway, and only one day can be logged every calendar day. 90 of those 360 days must be outside the boundary line. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, 90 of the 360 days must be within the last three years. All experience must be obtained after the age of 13, and 50% of the experience must be obtained after the age of 16, which explains yes. how Kent got his license when he was 18 years old. Correct, because I had a, more than half of my experience. from Most of my sea time became, came between, you know, m- much of it was before the age of 16 years old. Uh, but then working full-time after 16, I was able to accrue you know, quite a bit of sea time. Um, so let's talk now uh, about just the difference between, a lot of people don't understand the difference between the OUPV six pack and the masters in like, in layman's terms. Um, in, in layman's terms, the OUPV six pack license allows you to run an uninspected vessel. If the vessel is going to be inspected, it needs to have a master and the operator needs to have a master's license okay well what's inspected versus uninspected in the simplest of terms if you're the coast guard says that if you're going to carry more than six passengers you need to have an inspection of that vessel and it needs to carry a certificate of inspection that allows you to carry that many people once you get that inspection and that inspection gets renewed let's call it annually for the simplification of conversation you have to have a master running that that vessel so, if you, you want to run your boat and you just want to take six people and no more than six people out on a charter and get paid for it, you can do it with an OUPV six-pack license. And that's really the only thing you can do with that license. Uh, some of the guys in the quick response towing industry, the CTOW and towboat US operators, also operate with a six-pack that also has a commercial assistance towing endorsement. Mm-hmm. To all of them, I recommend the upgrade to the master's license. I really do. Uh, for the simple reason that uh, if you have that 360 days for a six-pack, you can get also a master's. The seat time requirement for an inland master's 
is the same as the six pack. Get the biggest ticket you can get. Correct. Exactly. Yeah, this makes you more, you know, when it comes time to finding a job, there's no question. Every day you walk down that dock, another opportunity, a better opportunity could present itself. Exactly. So if you're not prepared to embrace it, pull it. we have guys come running, like running in the office store. I just got offered this opportunity, but I don't have the license for it. I'm like, and you're not going to have that license for now weeks. It takes a long time to get a captain's mm -hmm. license. By the time you complete the course, the test, the paperwork, and the exam. You so, really got to plan ahead when it comes time to getting your license. Unless you are, I got a six pack because I wasn't old enough to get a master's. Mm -hmm. You have to be how many years old to get a master's cap? Is it, uh, is it 19 as opposed to uh, 18? 19. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I wanted my license when I was 18 because I had a summer job that needed me to have that license. So right. I went my first uh, five years with a six pack when I went to renew. The Coast Guard said, we well, have enough time for this master's. Why don't you upgrade it? Even the Coast Guard will encourage you to get the biggest license mm. that you can get. They're not trying to hold back. They want to see you operate, you know, at, at your fullest potential, uh, at your fullest potential as well. Right. So, so while we're on the topic, Cap, um, you want to just run over the, the master requirements? Well, there's two different types of master. We'll talk about the master inlet first. Uh, that's 360 days of sea time. Uh, since the age of 13, again, 90 of the 360 days must be within the last three years, and 50% of those 360 days must have been acquired since the age of 16. And then we have the master near coastal, which is to 100 nautical miles offshore. That asks for 720 days of sea time since the age of 13. 90 of the 720 days in the last th three years, 360 of the 720 days must be outside the boundary lines, and 50% of these 720 must have been acquired since the age of 16. The boundary line is like everybody's favorite question. Mm. They're like, oh, it's outside the Colregs demarcation line. Nope. Colregs demarcation line is for the rules of the road. Oh, it's as soon as I get out into the ocean from the bay. Nope. Mm. There's a very special line that the Coast Guard has drawn around the nation specifically for licensing. It's not the three mile line, it's not the Colerics line, it's not any of the above. Um, it can be found on the US Coast Guard Navigation Center website or of course it can be found on confidentcaptain.com under our resources tab where it will tell you the boundary points. And basically if you are inside of those lines, you are operating in the inland capacity. If you're outside of those lines, you're operating in the near coastal capacity okay right. you could be 200 miles up the amazon river for all intents and purposes that's brown water sailing mm -hmm. you know that's still outside of the line once you go beyond that line in the nation you're you're outside of it and that's as much regulation as takes place there um but basically it goes from maine down to um down to the cape around provincetown yeah I think and then into the islands over to montauk yep and then it from and then, around it's the southeast lake yeah, it, 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 yeah, the line stays south of Block Island, right. goes over to Montauk Bay. Mm -hmm. So all of that inland towards New England is shoreward. Um, and that's a, rough, you, you, that's a rough sort of description of that. Once you come out on the south shore of Long Island, once you get offshore, mm -hmm. you come out of any inlet or you come out Ambrose Channel from New York and you start to head down the beach down the east coast of the United States, that's all outside the line. So if you live in Florida... If you live in Jupiter and you go out Jupiter Inlet every day, 
A, I'm sorry you have to deal with that. And B, <laughs> you know, you're outside mm-hmm. the line as soon as you get out of the inlet. Uh, if you're in Rhode Island, here with us, and you're operating on Narragansett Bay, and you go to and from Block Island every day, even though it's a four or five mile run out in open ocean, mm-hmm. you're not outside the line. Not until you go south of Block Island. Yep. And again, that can be found on the resources tab on Confident Captain, uh, confidentcaptain.com. So, in a nutshell, what do you strive for? 360 days with a four-hour minimum in a day. No such thing as hours. Everything is in days. And you need 360 of them to get a captain's license. Once you have 360, get the biggest license you can. You can always make it bigger at a later date. Right? Right. Beyond sea time, you need to be 18 years old to get the six-pack and 19 to get the master's. And then what are some of our other requirements, Cap, in order to... uh, in order to get it. We're going to need the uh, physical, the drug test, and the transportation workers identification card. Um, the TWIC. It's not Twix. That's the candy bar. TWIC. T-W-I-C is the transportation workers identification credential. It's offered by the TSA, mm-hmm. Transportation Security Administration. It does not get you through security at the airport. That is a completely different certification. They'll look at you like you have two heads if yeah. you try to use it because I did it once just yeah. for fun. You'll go if you want to get like so. I, I got the frequent the the known traveler, mm-hmm. and uh, with the known traveler card, I went to the same office with the same people, the same computer, the same machine took my fingerprints, and it's a completely different credential. Mm-hmm. And they nothing. They are not at all related except for the guy that issued it or you know the guy that took uh-huh. the application. Right. And even he thinks that's a bollocks, but it, that, that just it sort of is what it is. And let's be specific about what a TWIC card is. You must have a TWIC card to get a Merchant Marine credential. You yeah. must have it. It doesn't mean anything for you to tell me that, well, I'm not going to be going into any secure areas. You simply have to have the TWIC card. Yeah. Well, and one thing that folks need to remember you know they're like well i want to save the 150 dollars or 100 whatever it is to get that and and i'm not going in those areas i'm just going to do such and in the merchant mariner world anytime you start a sentence with i'm just doing <laughs> no <laughs> like you're wrong no so let's use an example of uh my home harbor newport harbor okay newport harbor is not a sensitive area there's no cargo, there's no military, it's, it's tourists and yachts. However, if some god-awful act of terrorism takes place in our nation, Newport could immediately become a sensitive area, mm-hmm. and you could immediately need to be able to produce your transportation worker identification credential in order to access it. And once a year, Newport Harbor does turn into a secure zone when they... The heads of all the navies in the free world come to meet at Goat Island, and they shut Goat Island down and put all kinds of Coast Guard vessels around it. Yep, that's all it takes. You put a lot of important people in a, in the same place, and it's suddenly a very sensitive area. So, get your Twit card and follow the Kent Dresser Dresser method of management. Don't argue with me. <laughs> Don't argue with me, please. Just do it. It's not uh, worth it. <laughs> it's not worth the argument, says Tony. Uh, but seriously, we just you know you've got to look at you know. You wouldn't, you wouldn't want to spend all of this money and time and energy getting something and just not being able to realize it to its full potential. So, so what so, do they do for the TWIC card 
Zach, when you went up there, because you've been sure. the most recent one who's gotten it. When I went, we had to go twice. I now understand you only have to go once. Oh, yeah. It was super easy. I went online to the TSA website, signed up. You get to pick your day. And once you're in the schedule, you go down to uh, TF Green right outside the airport. And you show up, take your fingerprints. You show some identification. And you're pretty much golden. And it comes in the mail. So it's pretty easy process yeah and, and what are the instructions what, on the paperwork that's if you show up there without the proper identification and stuff you've wasted everybody's time right and what do they do with the information once they get your fingerprints and when they get your name what, what, what are they doing with it well they're doing a background check mm-hmm. making sure that you don't have a criminal record drug record or terrorism they're really looking for drugs and terror those are sort of the two things that if you could distribute drugs or terror that's going to eliminate your chances to get a transportation worker identification credential don't forget, it's all transportation. So it's truckers, mm. it's ship captains, it's train operators. Those are people that carry sensitive things that could do a tremendous amount of damage to our nation. Absolutely. So not only is it um, you know, required, it's, it's sort of your civic responsibility that if you're going to be operating in those areas, you need to have something that says, I'm not a bad person and I'm mm. not going to bring harm to, to, other, to the others around us. Now, Tony, since you work over in Quonset with the CTV, um, do you have to present that, your trip card, when you enter the port? Uh, no, not there, but when we've gone up to the carrier piers, we're up in Davisville, where mm-hmm. the uh, where the car carriers go, and where NOAA has a ship up there mm. on occasion, uh, we've gone up there to put our boats up there for hurricanes sometimes, mm-hmm. and we've had to present TWIC cards to get on and off that facility, really? in and out of that facility, yeah. absolutely. Well, in New York, just after September 11th, for quite a while, I don't remember exactly how long, but um, anytime we left the harbor mm-hmm. on the tug, which we leave the harbor regularly, right? Uh, anytime we returned, we were boarded by the Coast Guard. Now, at that point, there was no TWIC. Of course, a TWIC is a result of, of September 11th. Right. But at that point, uh, they wanted to see our licenses and identification, and every individual on the boat was checked. And it was hard because, a lot. remember, on a tugboat, half the crew was sleeping at any given time. And they had to wake up and look at the Coast Guard and then fall back to sleep again. Then finally, they sort of lightened that a little bit. And uh, it went to all of our IDs had to be up in the wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. And they just went in the wheelhouse and looked at everybody's ID. But they didn't shine their flashlight in your face while you were sleeping in your bunk. And then eventually it went to the the TWIC. So look, Mm. anywhere we go can become a sensitive area. Get your TWIC card. Do it right. Be a pro. And, um, you know, just get the job done right. And the other time you have to show it is during the COI, the inspection of your vessel yearly yeah. inspection. The Coast Guard looks for your license, looks for your TWIC card, have to have them both ready to go. And your Marine Radio Telephone Operator's Permit. Mm-hmm. Your MROP. Yep. Which is something Tony studied very diligently for. Yeah. On, on so, I did. so uh, the TWIC card, then let's talk about the Coast Guard physical quickly. Um, this is not a military grade physical. This is uh, a fairly standard mm-hmm. physical. Uh, they're going to check your medical background. Uh, they're going to check your blood pressure. They're going to make sure that you don't have a heart problem, an epilepsy problem. There are things that they don't have a serious problem with, and there are things that make them very upset. Epilepsy makes the Coast Guard very upset. You're mm-hmm. going to have a hard time getting a medical certificate and being able to operate a boat with a captain's license if you have epilepsy, even if it's been controlled for some time. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible. That's not my rule. Mm. I'm just telling you where you're going to look at challenges. Same thing with heart problems. Yeah. Heart problems will lead to um, 
will be a lot of difficulty. And those are the result of accidents. I mean, I, I don't remember exactly. I want to say it wasn't there a Staten Island Ferry incident where hundreds of people were injured or killed when the captain blacked out due to a heart condition. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. I don't, it was I, a terrible, I, a terrible accident. Yeah, he, that wasn't a joke. He did. Yeah. He did pass out. And um, yeah, but there, there are waivers that you can get if you don't have the vision, hearing, or general physical condition necessary. A medical certificate uh, can and may be issued with appropriate limitations, waivers, right. and other conditions. Mm. So don't let it. I, 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 a friend of mine I know is colorblind. He can't, except for the physical shape of the buoy, he can't tell green from red. But right. he got a waiver and he's fine to be a, a captain. So right, we're not saying you're eliminated. We're saying you're going to have. It's going to require some more documentation and effort on your part mm-hmm. in order to get the credential. Uh, and then the drug test. Um, the drug test, you know, if you're signed up for a random selection, like with the Maritime Consortium, uh, you only have to show that you belong and that you've not refused a drug test within the last six months. Mm-hmm. I spent years and years and years and years enrolled in that program. And, uh, you know, you, you, well, you can't, you cannot refuse. Once When they ask you, you, you can't refuse it. You need to go take it if you want to keep your job. Right. You also need to get a drug test in order to get the license to begin with. And if you are trying to get the license to begin with, um, you want to um, get the results of the drug test yourself Mm -hmm. and submit them with your application. Do not have them sent directly to the U.S. Coast Guard. So all of the forms that you need for this are found on the resources link on Mm confidentcaptain.com in pretty plain English. Can we uh, just just go back for a second? There's... um, uh, marijuana was just legalized in uh, Massachusetts, our uh, our state, our neighbor next door. Uh, yeah. We'll probably be legalized here shortly. And medical marijuana is currently yeah. illegal. It's uh, currently legal. No, it's currently legal. In Rhode Island, recreational marijuana is legalized in Massachusetts right. and will likely be so in Rhode Island. However, soon. in fact, I've even heard recently that President Trump would be willing to federally recognize recreational marijuana. However, you cannot test positive for marijuana and get your captain's license. That's right. Even though it's legal. Um, well, here's a great example. We like bourbon. Bourbon right. is legal at home. Mm-hmm. Bourbon is not legal at work. Yeah. That's the same concept, folks. The, and, and bourbon leaves your system in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Marijuana leaves your system in... It takes a long time. 30 yeah. days or 60 30, days. 30 to 60 to 90, and it depends on... On how they test. Usually, it's your analysis is what is what is accepted now. But yep. there are other ways to test, like they'll, they'll test hair, and that stays in your system much longer. But right. what they're looking for, in addition to marijuana, just so you know, um, is uh, cocaine, amphetamines, opiates, and uh, phencyclidine or PCP, and meth, and meth. Well, that's yeah, amphetamines. Right. They only recently started looking just strictly, I mean, in addition to these things, strictly at methamphetamines as well. Yeah. But, I mean, as, as nice as it is for people who use medical marijuana or want to recreationally, recreationally use marijuana, yeah. if, you, if you smoke pot or you eat edibles or do whatever you do, mm-hmm. you're not going to get your license. It's as simple as that. Right. Now, do whatever you want, but you're not going to do it and drive a boat. That's well, going to be, right. that's, that's can't be done. Right. Do you think there'll be some, I don't know if they test for it now, the difference between like THC versus CBD and the different, you know, usages there? They look for THC. They do not look for CBD. CBD. Yeah, yeah, they don't. Right. That doesn't make it a good idea depending on what your capacity is. But they don't look for it. Right, right, right. Um, 
And from there, you're going to need some reference, some, some really simple. There's some notarization to be done. There's some reference, uh, letter of reference, not letter of references, but just three character references. Mm -hmm. There's a form now. It's a downloadable form. You fill it out and find three friends to sign it. Uh, it's, it's, it's not at all uh, a difficult thing to do. Uh, your Merchant Mariner Oath does not have to be taken at the U.S. Coast Guard anymore. You can take it in front of a notary mm -hmm. and have it signed and notarized. And you send all that up along with your course completion certificates from Confident Captain up to the Coast Guard, and you'll get your license. So, Justin, if you go to confidentcaptain.com and you click on the resources, uh, click on the resources page, and that's going to bring you to uh, U.S. Coast Guard license forms, and you'll see there's uh, we even have a we have a written license application guide. Um, we have the uh, Boston Exam Center directions and hours. And then we have drug test instructions, the actual application, the 719B application for Merchant Mariner license, um, the Merchant Mariner physical examination component, which is 719K. Uh, 719P is periodic drug testing. And then we have, we also list the boundary lines, the seat time requirements, um, how to renew, etc. And finally, everybody's favorite form, CG719S small vessel sea service form uh, that's the form where you break down your sea time for year mm -hmm. and day and if you have a small vessel that you own you can do it with your vessel you don't need to show your log you just need to give them an honest representation of your sea time on that vessel and show them that you owned it so a registration or a title or uh, proof of ownership mm -hmm. of of some type if you were serving on somebody else's boat all you need is their signature and this is where people, you know, lie. Well, don't, please don't lie. Like the Coast Guard expects you to be honest, okay? And be honest on your sea time form. Give them an accurate description of what's essentially now your CV mm -hmm. and have it signed by the owner of the vessel. If you're the owner of the vessel, sign it, swear to it, and show them that you own the vessel. And all of that gets submitted to the US Coast Guard. We have a service for our students, not for everybody. For our students, where if you've completed one of our captain's courses, we give you a little bit of instruction on how to fill out the form. And of course, you listen to this podcast as well. Uh, we give you a little bit of instruction on how to fill out the forms as part of your class. And then you can send that to us to look at it. And for $99, we'll review it for you and tell you it looks good. Mm. We can't promise that the Coast Guard is going to be happy. We can't approve the application. That's the Coast Guard's job. But we can look at it and say, yes, it's complete. And it looks like you fill it out right. correctly. So, did you have some? Uh, you you, ha you offered somebody some help earlier this year, Zach. You had a, a notebook. What, what was that? A notebook or a yeah? So it was like I I decided early on when I was going through the online course for Confident Captain that I'm gonna try and do my best to keep everything organized. And with that, I actually bought a binder from Staples with plastic sleeves, and every time I just kind of pick away at the application and I put it into my binder. So that at the end of the course, after everything was compiled, I would just be able to have, I'd be, I came to Kent and I was like, hey, Kent, you mind looking at my binder? And it was easy to look through, easy to flip through. And if I needed to change anything, I could make the change and know exactly what I needed to do. So that's something that I suggest to people. And I suggested it to a, a woman earlier this year. And I believe she did it. She has her binder yeah. and she's been communicating back and forth. And the more organized out. you keep that material, 
the better off you are because yeah. you know it's not tremendously difficult, but there's just a lot of it. And if you keep if you keep all your ducks in a row, there, mm-hmm. it gets a lot easier. We, you'd be surprised the number of sort of U.S. Coast Guard paperwork mishaps mm. that we're informed of. Um, you know, oh, I didn't get my application. I didn't get my certificate submitted on time. I get that email about once a week. There's 52 weeks in a year. Mm-hmm. We teach hundreds and hundreds of people. I didn't get my application submitted in time. How long do you have after you complete the uh, Well, course? funny you should ask, Tony, because you have a year. A One year. year. 365, not 366? No, 365. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the expiration date is printed right on your course completion certificate. So we hate to be snarky and show sarcasm, but it's a year. I, so we, we do. We, we, have, <laughs> we, are. we have both taught yeah. more than one person. Twice. Who took the course before and didn't get their paperwork? There's two types of people that I've seen over the years, and the first type is is um, one of my students in this last class. I said, "How are you doing with your paperwork?" He said, um, "My last piece of paperwork will be the certificate when you send it to me." Right. Mm-hmm. right. And the other type of person is they start doing it after they finish the course. Right. right. So you know, yeah. either way, you've got 365 days after you complete the course. Uh, people ask us a lot, you know, do I need to have this paperwork done in order to take the course? No. You need to have the C time because if you don't have enough experience, we would love to have you join us. But the reality is you, you need the experience in order to do well in the course. There mm-hmm. is, it, you need a level of seamanship when you get in the door. Um, we don't want to slow the rest of the class down with beginner level material. Right. Um, if you wanted to do the online course just for your own edification, you'd have the C time. That's fine. But to come into the classroom and, and, you know, sit with the folks that are doing the license, you know, that have the C time. Um, you do have to just have the time. But you don't have to have the paperwork submitted. You get one year from the day we print your certificate at the end of the class from confident captain. Mm-hmm. You get it submitted. And then if you don't get it submitted on time, there is absolutely nothing that I can do about it. Nothing. Except tell you to take the course again. Mm. And that's unfortunate because it's expensive and it's a, lo- it's a large time investment. But there's nothing we can do about it. That's the regulation. And a year is ample time to get it done. So um, you can submit it via email. You can submit it via mail. Or a lot of people choose to, you know, if you live fairly close to the regional exam center. Mm-hmm. So here in Rhode Island, the closest regional exam center is in Boston, Massachusetts. about an hour and a half drive. Unless you go in the morning during rush hour, then it's about a three and a half hour drive. <laughs> and, you know, people choose to go up and do that just so they can look at it. And Someone will come out from behind their desk, behind the counter at the regional exam center and say, yeah, this looks good. You have everything turned in here and I'll submit this to the National Maritime Center. Mm-hmm. And you can watch for emails from them. And that, you know, it's not a bad idea. Drive to Boston and submit your paperwork and, you know, get lunch and go home. Mm-hmm. It's not a wasted day, um, as opposed to mailing it in and then having to correspond with them if you're, if you're missing something. Right. Uh, and then once it goes to the hands of the National Maritime Center, the National Maritime Center is located just outside Washington, D.C. in West Virginia. And uh, they actually do a really good job. Mm. They have excellent communication, good customer service skills, and they'll assign you a Mariner number. Once you get your Mariner number, save it because that's how you communicate with them. And their phone number for any sort of question is one eight 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 I ask nmc and they are terrific to work with. They keep you yeah. up to date on the process of your package. 
Yep. And they say, we looked at your physical. That's all good. We looked at your seat time. That's all good. They send you updates, which is phenomenal. It's a yeah. terrific office to work with. The United States yeah. Coast Guard National Mariner Science Center is responsible for issuing the licenses. They're also responsible for the oversight of individuals like myself uh, and competent captain who provide the courseware to the Mariner. And they're exceptional in both regards. Yeah. It was a rocky road at the beginning. It used to be each individual exam center did all of the oversight and all the licensing, and it was consolidated into mm -hmm. one main office. And boy, it was a little, it was a little rocky at the beginning, uh, but things have really ironed out, and, and they do an exceptional, exceptional job down there now. Yeah, I so. was really impressed when I got mine. I went to make a phone call just to ask them how everything was going, and they got the, the email, and. When I tell you I was on hold for about two minutes, I was probably on hold for about 30 seconds. I yeah. mean, I've, I've talked to Verizon to change out my cable, yeah. and it probably <laughs> took yeah. about three hours for me to actually talk to a person. Yep. So, and I have heard, correct me if I'm wrong, that if you email, if you scan your license in, the application, and you yep. email it in, the process goes a little bit faster because the NMC has to put your paper application into their computer system. I, I heard that well, from, the, from the office. So, so, all right. Well, as the owner of the Maritime Training School, mm. I will tell you that I don't know that for sure. Um, but that sounds, sounds, sounds reasonable. Sounds reasonable. Yeah, yeah, Already in electronic yeah. format. Yeah. Sounds reasonable. So, if you skip a step because I don't have to scan it, but there's also a right. size limit. I had a trouble with my last one mm. because um, the size, the file size limit. So, just check it before you email it in on the Coast Guard website. Yep. Uh, I can't remember the size of the file and if like, that still exists. It does, yeah, because I had to split mine up. Into two emails. Into two emails. Yeah. yeah, I think it was like eight gigabytes or something like that. That just gets, something. like, it just muddies the waters. And when, whenever the water gets muddier, I get, you know, yeah. I get a little more nervous. Yeah. But uh, either way, the Coast Guard National Maritime Center, at this point in time, uh, at the time of the recording, which is, uh, you know, December of 2018, is moving very efficiently. And they're turning licenses around in, in yeah. just, just a few weeks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, they are not turning licensed courses around. They still have a significant backlog. Um, when I send courses for approval or renewal, it still takes 90 days, mm. which is excessive. It's, it's just too long. Um, it, makes, it makes us, our job, very difficult. But uh, Okay, so submission to the National Maritime Center, and then moving on that, it's just like that. Now what do we do once you get your license? Um, well, you open it up and you look at it. Make sure the uh, make sure the information is correct. I've got to look at it and read it. And uh, you'll notice on the very back page there's a little um, little plastic holder for oddly enough your TWIC card, mm -hmm. yeah, which has to be with your license at yeah. all times. Yeah, and take a picture of it. You carry your phone around everywhere. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying that it can be used in an official capacity. But if someone were standing there going, hey, where's your license? You know, like for some reason I can't find it, but I just so happen to have a picture of it right here, sir. That can at least, it certainly can't hurt. You're, you're supposed to physically have it with you whenever yeah. you are yep. doing your job as that's, a master. That That's correct. You're supposed to physically have it. You're yeah. supposed to physically have it with you, just like a driver's license. So, so there's a couple of uh, uh, sort of nuances that I uh, think we covered that I think... You know, the, the biggest sort of uh, hiccups for people are, how much time do I need? Um, and then we regularly get emails uh, from folks that say, can you do my paperwork for me? And we're like, we've, we've, we've thought of that business model. Like, we even hired an intern who did a really nice job of, like, sort mm -hmm. of putting that business model together. Um, the reality is the paperwork is not as overwhelming as it seems. 
and it's just sort of part of becoming a captain like download the student application guide from our website mm -hmm. listen to this podcast and do your paperwork and then we'll look at it for you but when you say, people call me all the time like oh don't you have that guy that can do the paperwork for us i'm not good at paperwork and no like you really you know we, there are folks that we have that will help you through like the problems that you come across like if you have have health problem andy hammond uh marinerhealth.com mm -hmm. uh is that one of our instructors for different courses and and former uh uh chief of the regional exam center in boston yes he will help you if the coast guard says you know no you have a heart condition or you have epilepsy you have a medical problem or you have a uh, a DUI or you have uh, something along the he's the guy that will help you get through that process and that process is much more complicated but he, like it, you know I mean he would probably look at your six-pack or hundred ton license application if you wanted and send it in but I think he'd probably look at you and be like you should be able to do that mm. you don't you don't need me for that but if you don't once you get come across a problem he is absolutely the guy to call and he will help you work your way through that problem he's helped hundreds of Mariners uh, since he retired from from Boston um, do that. He's he's good at that. He's he's the right guy to call. But as far as you know, I think people start to feel a little overwhelmed with the the licensing paperwork, and sometimes it prevents them from getting the license through us, etc. Uh, look, folks, uh, it's not that bad. Make yourself a checklist and just mm -hmm. take it off one by one. You it's don't even have to because we made a checklist for you. Yep. <laughs> just download. All you gotta do is download the form and start checking. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you start to knock two or three things out, and things get in. Nobody likes doing it. You know, it's it's hard. It's a there's a paperwork. You got to get letters. Mm -hmm. You got to drive to this guy's office and pick up that C time letter. And this guy's going to take forever returning that C time letter, and so on and so forth. But uh, you know, it's just sort of part of the it's sort of part of the process. So yeah, you just got to pick away at it. Yep. So now that we're through like the C time and the paperwork part. Like I, I sort of think one of the goals that I'd hope to to sort of come over is sort of. Uh, one of the goals of this podcast was just um, talk more about the course itself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's 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 sort of a couple of major components to getting your license: the C time, the application, and then the exam. Mm -hmm. So there's two ways to do the exam. You can go, you can study at home, go to the Coast Guard and take the exam, and that's a bona fide way to get your captain's license. It used to be the only way. Mm -hmm. And then about 20 years ago, the Coast Guard said, well, we'll let the schools start to give the examinations for the smaller licenses. Um, they have to follow, you know, they have to have their curriculum approved, but, but they, can, they can do that. And, and so I, I have one of those approved curriculums at Confident Captain. So you can come to Confident Captain, you can do an in-person course, you can do an online-only course, or you can do an online course where you have, course where you have your own coach, mm -hmm. which is sort of a hybrid model. And um, you know which one you decide to take sort of depends on your logistics, your level of motivation, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know not just motivation, but motivation, study skills, um, you know personal preference, mm -hmm. uh, and then um, your schedule. You've got to know your limitations too. You be honest with yourself on what is going to be the best way for you to get your license to pass the exam. Are you dedicated enough? Are you strong-willed enough to sit in front of that computer and study, study, study? Mm -hmm. That's Do it online, and then we'll help you through it as much as we need to. And then if you want to do it maybe a little faster and, and more intense, and you understand that you're not 
going to get as much from the online as you would from in person, then take the class. It's, it's an intense two weeks. You've got an awful lot of information handed to you in a very short amount of time. But for some people, that's the way to do it. Yeah. It really it depends on you. And you must understand yourself and how you study and how you get things done. The, the bulk of the people that, that I talk to, which is, these are daily conversations, of course, um, that talk about the online course, you know, they'll say, they're like, I am uh, intimidated by online learning. And you know what, my answer to that is there's no need to be. There's really not, it, it, unless you've tried it and failed, in which case you now have a goal, which is to get better at it. There's no reason to be intimidated by it. Modern technology has made the learning platform extremely simple to use. It's, it's videos of us talking to you about material that, the same material that we teach you in the classroom. And, um, you know, so, so you start to say, well, what's missing between the classroom and the online portion? Well, there's, there's two major differences. In the classroom, you are in a room with a professional mariner um, for two weeks. And there's something very valuable about spending time with that person. Mm -hmm. You know, be it Tony, myself, whomever. Um, you, you get a lot from that. There's more to it than just the words that come out of our mouth or the videos that are shown mm -hmm. on our screen. Um, but there's also something very valuable and very special about being in the room with 10 other professional mariners or aspiring professional mariners or even just recreational boaters and sailors that are getting their own that are getting the captain's license, right. but they're professional-minded in their approach to education. Okay? Some, some of the best students I've ever seen have been recreational boaters. They just, mm -hmm. who, they're highly motivated. The fact that they want to come in and get that license and learn is, is such a, it, it makes me feel really happy that they're out there on the water because right. when you're out there on the water as much as, as we are, and we do spend most of our summers out on the water, um, we see a lot of unprofessional recreational boat handling. But... You know, when I when I go by a, a recreational boat and they're wearing their PFD and, and mm -hmm. they obviously know what they're doing and they talk to you on the proper channel on the radio and they say the right things, that that's a huge difference. And you're it's gonna feel more comfortable. Much right more thorough response from oh, yeah. and a much more enthusiastic response from the from the person you're talking to yeah, on a lot nicer to you. Yeah. So so we have done some things at Confident Captain to sort of try and compensate for because you just can't always you can't always get to a classroom. Like you can't do people have jobs, people have kids, people have careers. Um, and so we have an online community. Mm -hmm. We use Slack. We think Slack is great. And there's a, it's a you know, joint collaboration, or you may even want to call it joint commiseration. But it's basically <laughs> a, uh, an online community platform where you, you ask your questions on Slack, and you can search the questions on Slack really easily. And you'll find robust answers from a lot of people. And in some ways, that's better than the classroom. Mm -hmm. Because you're still now interacting with those people, but it's written down. So you can read it over and over again. Reference. Whereas if someone says something to you, you can forget what they said. But when it's written down, you can forget it. You can go back and read it again. So there's some things that are a little bit more powerful than that. But it's up to us. We sort of drive. And, and me personally, I sort of, you know, now it's a, it's a newer system. But we're I'm driving the, uh, the community interaction and the cohesion. And the, mm -hmm. the, the interaction and the cohesion are my two biggest goals right now. Uh, because that's also a tool that you can then use... In the future, you can go back and look at it 
as part of your professional development um, running the boat. So, so, so the, the community interaction between all of our online students is actually also really a very special component to what we do because you're talking to students all over the nation that are looking at the same material, trying to pass you know, the same or similar examination as you, and you're going to learn and make you know, new friends electronically. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's monitored, it's moderated by us, so there's no, there's no BS on it. We don't let that happen. You have to be invited into it, and I'll throw you out. If you're not welcome, <laughs> so there's no trolls there, uh, and the confident captain Slack page, uh, it works. It works pretty good. So that that's our sort of new community interaction, and those of you that are out there that um, have taken our course in the past, uh, you probably haven't made it this far into the podcast because you kind of have already learned it, and many of you have blocked out a lot of the application process, and mm -hmm. but in, in in forgetting that you're gonna have to do it again in five years, um, at some point somewhere, please. Put a note in your calendar on your phone four and a half years from now that says my captain's license is about to expire. Once it expires, you can't use it anymore. Not even for a day. Not even for one trip. One trip and something goes wrong and you'll go to jail. And, and so you have to keep it up to date. And if it's expired for a year, and you'd be amazed how often this happens. People call me up. They're like, my license expired. Hey, Kent, do you remember me from six years ago? Yes. My license has been expired. For how long? A year. I'll see you in the next class. Yep. you got to start all over again. Don't let that expire. Huge time and money investment in all of that. Mm -hmm. So And and redoing, I just did mine last year. Um, just did my, my re-up, and it, it went fine. It was easy. It was not hard to do. It, it's not that hard. No. You know, and, and look, we'll take your money again. But we really don't want to. Like, we really feel badly when we have to do that. But Always if you're going to take up a seat or you're going to take up a block of our online learning management platform, mm -hmm. you have to pay for it again. So, you know, try not to try not to do that. Yeah. What are we missing? I feel like we've covered just about everything on getting a license. And, um, you know, once that baby comes in the mail, you're ready to go out and, and earn. What's, and it, look, what's it look like? <laughs> it looks like an orange passport. Yeah, it yeah. does. And unlike the Twit card, I have used it in airports as ID to get onto the plane. Why? I use my driver's license. <laughs> just, 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 anything. just to see. Yeah, totally. just for the fun of it. Just to see. And they'll take that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Huh. Yeah, I've only had one supervisor had to come over. The supervisor came over. The yeah, this the, man the, is a United States Merchant Mariner. He's a Merchant Mariner. Let him on the plane. Yeah. So yeah. that's another bonus of having it. Well, it's a brilliant thing. It's something that you know we we've done here on our end, and it brings us tremendous amount of happiness and satisfaction to help others do it. So. Indeed. To summarize, get your seat time. Start filling out your application mm -hmm. using the student application guide that's located under the resources tab at www.confidentcaptain.com. Sign up for the online, the coached, or the in-person course. Pass your test. Get your course completion certificate. Submit it with your application to the U.S. Coast Guard. And then start to earn it, it warrants, you know, maybe we have about five more minutes. It warrants some discussion on the exam because I think people are intimidated by it and they want to know what the parts of it is. Mm -hmm. And let's, let's start to ease some nerves right here. There's nothing in the Coast Guard captain's course that is academically challenging. There's also a whole group of people that come through our doors, be them virtual or physical, every year that don't have good study skills. We get it. We know. You've heard me mention in earlier editions of the podcast, 
I didn't have an, I, I'm an intelligent person, but I did not have an amazing academic career because mm. studying was not really, I didn't enjoy it and I wasn't motivated to do well. Out of the three so. people at this table, I think there's only one who's good at it. Yeah. It's he's Zach. in college right now. Yeah, it's Zach. Yeah. <laughs> Try not, to disabuse him of all those bad habits. It's not me. He's a great, because I'm in school right now. He's a great student. Yeah, it's only because he's in school right yeah. now. No, I mean, I was a decent student. And the, the courses that I was interested in, particularly at college, I got mm-hmm. good grades. But if I wasn't interested, and if I had to guess, Zach probably puts more effort into the courses he's more interested in as well. I'm uh, still but, in my slack year. Yeah, but Tony's still Tony's still in his slack year and enjoying his uh, slack year, uh, getting his company captain and uh, ferry operating experience of thirty years. So, <laughs> I will say though, taking the company captain course, yeah. and studying for it was probably some of the most enjoyable learning. Now here's a guy. Here's a My guy school. that knows it's the holiday season. There's a, a bright career. future in this organization. <laughs> I can future. see that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Never heard you say anything like that. No, <laughs> no, you haven't. Well, I, I have said that I I, I am not the, I'm, you're not the only alumni mm. or alumnus of Confident Captain. So am I. Right. I mean, I took the course with Kent and I, you know, it's the reason I'm here. It's the reason I teach. The reason I have my job. I mean, it, it, it changed. It sounds silly to say it, it changed my life. As yeah. simple yeah. as that. Changed my life. It's well, a great thing to do, and we take it seriously. And, and again, our, our, our motto is that the boat might be small, but the job is big. Mm-hmm. And, and the day that I started Confident Captain, I said to myself, there is a lack of good training on small boats. Mm-hmm. I don't care how nice your shirt is. I don't care how many bars are on your epaulets. I don't care how, you know, how many miles you have as a recreational boater. Everybody that teaches for us has done it at the professional grade, which means they've been paid to do it when they had to, not just because they wanted to. Mm-hmm. And driving a boat because you have to is a lot different than driving a boat because you want to. Yeah. And that concept is going to make you more enlightened. I'm not saying it makes you better, smarter, more brilliant, but mm-hmm. it's going to make you more enlightened. And that enlightenment is going to get passed on. I insist on that enlightenment in order to get passed on to you know the individuals that participate in our courses because I think it's an important way um, to live. So, uh, so you'll start off with the rules of the road. Yep. On your examination, fifty questions, Tony. What do you have to get? You have to get ninety uh, percent of those questions. In other words, you can only get five wrong. I encourage my students and the online students to get none wrong mm-hmm. because yep. you can't get any wrong when you're out there in the water. And you know it's thirty-eight rules. And, right. you know, it, it's not that hard. It's memorization. Right. And where people fall down the most, and I, I think you'll agree with me, is that it's lights and shapes and sound signals. Is right. Right. And, and it, that's easily solved. Is, yeah, you can buy flashcards. There's no two ways about it. You can buy flashcards, and, and we offer flashcards yeah. as part of a course. Make your own flashcards. Mm-hmm. Because you'll learn while you're doing it, and then you'll learn when you use it. And it's like 50 cents for a stack of index cards and yeah. maybe $2 for some colored pencils. Yep. Right. Yeah. And do it. And I, I, I talk to my students. I can tell. If you're in my class, I can tell. I, I know you. I get to know you pretty well over two weeks. And after the first five days, I can tell whether or not you're studying, whether or not you've done your flashcards. Right. Because you're either getting one or two wrong on every quiz we do in the morning or you're getting 15 wrong. Right. You're getting 15 wrong, you're not studying, you haven't done flashcards. Right. You know, Zach said something really awesome one time that sort of lends itself to, you know, just shoot for 100. Zach was like, if you have a chance to be, oh, wait a minute, what did you say? 
You have a chance to be awesome. Be awesome. Is that or something like that? Always do your best. Oh yeah. well, I, I kind of I like the quote of uh, "Do today what others won't, so you can do tomorrow what others can't." <laughs> oh, so, that um, is cool. exactly the sort of that's going to go on. I think on the confident captain website. Mm. In fact, maybe we'll make that the title of today's podcast. <laughs> so, but yeah, study study now so that tomorrow. I mean, there's so many different ways. I use an app called. Uh, Study Blue or Quizlet, yep. and you can literally make the, the flashcards to go on your phone so that whenever you're, you know, instead of flipping through Instagram, Facebook, you're flipping through flashcards. I mean, they, it makes it so easy today to study. College today is not like college back then, you know, so it's the same thing. Less papyrus? <laughs> A lot less papyrus. <laughs> um, and the technology that we have makes it seamless. To learn yeah and, and and at confident captain we work every day to sort of look it's not academically challenging but it's not easy because there's a lot of information and one of the best ways to deal with a lot of information is making it well organized and bite-sized mm-hmm. and we met we work at making it well organized and bite-sized and retainable every single day so before we run out of time you're gonna move on from your rules of the road exam to your general navigation exam mm-hmm. what sort of topics and excitement can we expect to find on your general navigation exam well um, a lot of terms a lot of navigational terms like uh, what's a lubber line yeah Zach Zach what's a what's lubber a line, line? <laughs> the <laughs> line on your compass that indicates your heading yep yeah. Things like that. And what's the buoys, stand of the tide? Buoys, lighthouses. Terms. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, th- things, just general navigation terms that if you don't know, you should know. Like there's no such thing as slack tide. It's called the stand of the tide. Right. The tide, tide stops going up or down. There's slack current. Yeah, there yeah, is slack current, like just mm. not slack tide. And then after our general navigation, we'll get into plotting. And this is inevitably, I have taught hundreds of captains courses. And in every single one, some guy raises his hand and tells me, I'm just going to use my GPS. Yeah, okay. And that is the point where I say, I understand that. And we go back to the conversation that we had at the beginning of this podcast, which is, what do you do when it breaks? Mm -hmm. And do you know what your GPS is thinking? I have a firm belief in my life. I don't like to use a machine, and maybe call me old-fashioned, but I'm not that old. I have a belief that I don't want to use a machine unless I know what that machine is thinking. Mm -hmm. I don't want to use my GPS from a line unless unless I know what that machine is thinking. But let's take it to the Volvo Ocean Race. We're in Newport. We're in one of the sailing capitals of the world. We pay attention to sailing. Tony and I both sail. Zach sails a little bit. But we're all interested in the Volvo Ocean Race. Of course, Newport is one of the stopovers. Mm -hmm. One of those boats careened across a massive reef in the Indian Ocean two years ago, three years ago. Um, You know, the the question sort of is, well, where did the navigation error take place? And when you're going around the world on a 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, even 34-inch screen, you don't have enough detail. Mm. You need some paper charts. And, and, and you need to know how to use those paper charts. Okay, so if that's not convincing enough, when there's accidents in the world, you get investigated whether or not that accident is your fault. If you get rear, let, let's say, I don't know, like, like, you, let's say, please don't do this, but let's say you're driving under the influence and you get rear-ended. Do you get arrested? Yes. Of course you do, because mm. <laughs> you're driving under the influence. Okay, well, if you're captaining ignorantly, 
and somebody comes out of nowhere and T-bones you, are they still going to ask you hard questions about what you were doing? Of course they are. And you know what those hard questions are going to include? A chart. So if you're going to drive a boat professionally, you need to know how to use a chart inside and out. It should be period end of story. Should be part of the pride of ownership of having your master's license is actually knowing how to navigate. Correct. And and I mean and, and navigating with a chart is the basis of everything. If you don't know how to navigate with a chart, you may think you know how to use a chart plotter, but you don't. Right. Right. And there's always more to learn. I mean even after, you know, I, I'm now on my, you know, I don't know, 15th or 18th year of teaching navigation. And, I, you know, there's always something new that you can learn. It's just like any other sort of aspect of, of it. So you're going to have to learn how to use a chart. And at the end of a class, you will not come up to me and say, I'm just going to use my GPS because um, you're going to understand the importance of using a chart. And then there's two more sections of the exam. They call what they call the deck general and the safety examination. Sometimes, depending on your course, they might be combined into one longer exam. Deck topics include things like boat handling, lines, mm -hmm. marlin spike, Anchoring. Anchoring and uh, a little bit about design and construction. And sometimes um, sometimes we'll get into like cargo and et cetera, but that tends to lead itself a little bit more to the able seaman uh, discussion. Uh, safety is going to talk about firefighting, pollution, survival, mm -hmm. and it will have first aid and CPR questions. There's a separate first aid and CPR certification you'll need to get your license. Um, but they'll talk. They'll, they'll, they'll talk about you know anywhere you go, you sh you do and should talk about not first aid and CPR. And the safety, so. the safety is is very good to learn about. You may think you know everything you need to know about safety, but you probably don't. You need to know the four different types of fire. You know how to put them out properly and things like that. It's even if you yeah. do know it, it's a great refresher. It really is because when things go bad, when the shit hits the fan, mm -hmm. if you know what you're doing, you can keep a cool head. You're going to be able to solve the problem. You're going to solve a lot more problems. And if you don't know how to keep a cool head, you're going to create a lot more problems. So so we're hitting our one-hour threshold. We could go on and on about this all day. But, you know, everybody really, thanks for listening to us for an hour. Uh, it, uh, we appreciate you you and uh, your effort in listening to us. And we do the best to make the information as, as this is a huge topic. And we've tried to make it, you know, as cohesive and efficient as possible. But the reality is we could continue to talk about this for another hour. Mm -hmm. So we've done the best we can here, and we hope that it brings some value to you and to your career. And uh, thanks so much for listening to us, and join us next time for another episode of Great Captains, brought to you by Company Captain. See you out there. So long. <laughs>